Oh, welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. We have a lot to cover. Let's get to it. Joining us also, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. I always like to just keep full steam ahead. You said that as slowly as possible, and I know you did it on purpose. <laughs> joining us all the way from Mercer, Tennessee, with the pastor of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey, fellas. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty I have a feeling at this point now we're just doing this to screw with Noel, so it sounds like we're four times speed. <laughs> Here's what's up. I declare an emergency. One well, quick emergency. If you say. Uh, look, on this podcast, uh, 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 faithful podcast listeners, and really, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Because if you're listening to it, you get inspired. When you get inspired, you're hooked and you're faithful and you're, you're, sure. you're locked in. No question. Sure. So, here's what's happened. Uh, faithful listeners know that we have, for many episodes of this podcast, we've had a vicious, 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 terrible, vicious feud happening with Joel Osteen. Can we describe it accurately as a blood feud? I think uh, totally. Okay, cool. I, cool. I just have a question. Is it vicious? Um, it's uh, it, what it is. It's it's vicious in the sense that we are rapidly attacking him, right? Not the person you understand the podcast. We don't really we don't know the man. We just know his podca- podcast podcast right. is popular. We we know almost nothing about him. Uh, at one point, I think we accused him of being German, probably, and he's not. So there's that. Uh, but he has the no top, comment. <laughs> he has the top Christian podcast. Joel Osteen does. Yeah. And that's where we want to be. Yeah, exactly right. We, we want, want to be number one. We want to take this brother down. Yeah. <laughs> we want that spot. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we want to hold that spot. Totally. Okay. So here's what happened. One day we wake up and we do what we always do first thing in the morning is check the iTunes chart. <laughs> like you, know? you do. Like sure. you do. I mean, that's... That's uh, just what a sensible person does first thing in the day. Okay. That's Here, my devotional time. <laughs> here's what happens. We wake up, we check this this uh, chart, and what we find is uh, that uh, Tim Keller's uh, podcast has the t- top number one podcast. Right. Okay, so we all freaked out. Uh, number one, because we want that spot. Yep. Number two, we don't know anything about Tim Keller. Uh, we start furiously Googling and not so really finding anything. How are we going to put together a feud... Uh, on on Tim Keller when we don't know anything about it. Got to have the intel. So here's what happens is we're going in and researching it, and then all of a sudden, here's what we find out. They update the iTunes charts again, and guess what? He's at number seven. What? Whoa. I think there's only one way of interpreting that, which is he went head-to-head with us and our vicious feud and before we even got it together, we took him down to number seven. So clearly, that's the only way to look at that. Well, that does make me ask: so who's back on top, man? Yeah, uh, Matt, if you could check that. Well, I have the uh, the podcast rankings in front of me. We'll start yeah. with we'll start with three. We'll okay. go up. Okay. Number three is um, I've never heard of this or any of these people. Anything and everything with Jeff and Alyssa Bethke. Oh, okay. that's the dude. That's with the dude the, with the Jesus religion YouTube yeah. video. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And he wrote a book off that because that's how Christian publishing works. Yes, I'm sure he's a nice young man. I've never read anything he's written. Seems um, cool. Number two, Timothy Keller. Okay, 
Okay. You Bouncing back hey. from the dethroning, but still not to the heights once was. And, and God bless him. And we're you, recording you, this on Sunday night when a sermon podcast feed is going to be at its peak. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, God bless him. You 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 got you got to try. And and let's give him credit for hanging in there, for bouncing back. That's right. And uh, back atop the number one spot. Wow. Is it us? It is not us. What? It is one Joel Montgomery Osteen. Oh my goodness, <laughs> he's <Osteen>! back. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I can see that you're upset, Glenn, and that's appropriate. But one thing that we've learned from this whole drama is that Osteen is vulnerable. Yeah. He can yeah. be taken out of the top spot. Here's the thing, Lee. I don't know if we've learned that because um, we, as you, as again, as faithful listeners will know, we have before compared Joel Osteen's army of supporters to time-traveling robot cyborgs, patterned after, or maybe the pattern for, the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. Yes. No doubt. Here's the thing is, um, you may remember Terminator 2, where the T-1000 model Mm. gets all exploded. Yeah. Right. And then turns into liquid metal and recongeals. Mm. I think we have the next evolution of Osteen. Yikes. You mean like he's he's upped his game, so he's even more invulnerable than before? I think that's what we're looking look, at. Look, I, I'm going to try and tell you all how this, how this went down. Is Osteen set up Tim Keller. <laughs> you follow me? He put him in there. Osteen made the planted the Wall Street Journal story about the, Tim Keller. This is what I'm saying, and we here's what we did. We took the bait. We played right into his hands. We played right into his hands. We put all. We turned to Tim Keller. What we do? We took Tim Keller down. Yeah. Right. But who who just swoops back in there? Yes. Is Osteen? Because we had we had our focus on Keller over here. He's doing the end around on the other side. Sure, he's he's slid right in <laughs> there. Alexander the Great, the right hook. It's this is what I'm saying. It's wheels within wheels. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? This is what we're the diabolical nature of this thing. Well, you know what, man? We got a lot. We're dealing with a lot, and you're. Yes. I can look at you're stressed. Yes, you're feeling. You're concerned. You got a lot weighing on you. Yeah. A lot going on. You know what yeah. I think is going to make you feel better? What's that? Snacks. Snacks. Not just any snacks. Better. Yeah. Canadian snacks. Canadian snacks. I declare a Canadian snack secondary emergency. Okay. Do, do you want to tell me about that? Uh, no, I no idea. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Our good friend, friend of the show, loyal say that listener. I you know what? I feel confident going in and giving out superfan status here. Totally. Yeah, that it, feels it, right. Well, and he's Considering also, he's come to the bridge about 45 of 52 weeks the last two years, I think that's fair. He, he's he's also our legal intern. consultant. Yeah, Mister Woody. Woody. Nice. Oh, we try not to use last names, so you just ruined everything. Sorry, I just I mean, because I mean I mean obviously Osteen's going to go after Woody now. That's um, right. As I mean, and is it? But, wait, you know, is it, are you saying the mutant strain of Osteen is going to go after Woody? <laughs> it can't survive in these temperatures. It's fine. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, Woody. Maybe his last name's Woo. I don't know. Who knows? Who, who, know, who knows? It's hard to say. Maybe Glenn will use the mnemonic vice of singing the song every time he in, introduces someone, brother Woody. <laughs> you know what? It's always fun to create edit points for Matt to have to cut out. So, M- Mr. Woody, whose last name may be Woo, sing the song. Sing the song. Sing the song. Do it. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woody woo 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 Yes <laughs> He The people in the 80s are loving, loving that right it. now He went to Canada 
where he's from. Foliate, for God's sake. And he brought back snacks for us. Okay. So, now, are we busting these out this week? Sure, go for it. All right. We've got here Coffee Crisp. Canadian original. And it says right on it, it makes a nice, light snack. Okay. So that's uh, a very bold assertion. Jed is holding that up, Vanna White style, for a camera that doesn't <laughs> exist. We're all enjoying that. All right. We okay. got, Lee, you're going to have to imagine the way this tastes. We got. Not cool, man. Got, I'm sitting down here in Tennessee and nobody sent me any Canadian snacks. Oh, are you sitting down there in Tennessee where it's not zero degrees? Quiet, you. All right. We're about to bust it. And it's got French writing on it, which makes me suspicious. But let's just. Makes a nice light snack. Down there. In there, what do you what must do you be nice good? to have Canadian light snacks, <laughs> dude? That's good, is it? It is Le Belle Canadien Original. That is tasty, it's Nestle, it's quality. I like, I like, Ooh. I haven't got into it yet, but I like my snacks to be American. Oh, that's sure. Good, <laughs> it's like, um, it's like a vanilla wafer, but with a little bit of coffee flavor in there. Well, I made the mistake of looking at the nutrition facts before biting in, so I'm gonna go ahead and. Set that back down. <laughs> I'm going to get into this. Foliate. Good Lord. <laughs> that's not Foley. That's doing pig noises into the mic. It's a little on the nose. Let me, let All right, at this it. point, you guys are just eating silently on the air. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> recording a show, communicating yes. with the people. <laughs> It's what it is. Is it's like I feel like I have Canada in my mouth. <laughs> I can taste the politeness. Sure, sure. And um, I feel like the the nutritional value is pretty low. Uh, but if I if I got sick, uh, it would probably be free for me to get uh, patched up. So that's sure. Good. But is this delicious enough to comfort you in the face of Osteen's resurgence? Well, look. We've all learned a valuable lesson, which is when, when Glenn and Jed are eating candy, they forget they're recording a podcast. <laughs> There's also that. But the the valuable lesson that we've learned is, A, candy can heal anything. Totally. <laughs> B, never take your eye off of the Osteen. Absolutely right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those are two important life lessons, kids. Ever. And not unrelated. Vigilant. We'll leave it to you to figure out how. <laughs> uh, so I think that's the that's the main thing we need to focus on, fellas. You know? Well, given that, do you feel comfortable going ahead and declaring emergency off? I declare a tasty Canadian, but still viciously fighting Osteen emergency off. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Not sure how those two things relate, but that's pretty good stuff. It's it's got French writing on it. That is the uh, law in Canada. That you know why? That's because of the Quebecois. It is. People people in Canada are like, you know what? He's not so bad because he knows a thing about Canada. <laughs> he knows a thing that isn't something he made up about bacon. <laughs> well. We got we got Canadian candy. Glenn's enjoying a Canadian food product. Don't really know what to make with that. It has no fiber, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, the uh, uh, vitamin A zero zero percent. Oh, I was about to say there's vitamin A. <laughs> vitamin C zero percent. Calcium four percent. 
So, Jed, do the math. How many of these do we need to eat to get our calcium right up where we need it? How many we got? We got we're working with four per bar. No, no, I'm saying how many of the bars do we have? We've got four bars. You should probably let me eat all of them then. Y- well, okay. Yeah, I'll just take so, care of that. So you're that'll give you the some iron. pretty self serving math there. I need more calcium in my diet. Uh, it's not what your doctor had in mind, Jed. <laughs> yeah, one bar is is fifty grams. So that's I I think that's fine. Sure, that that works for me. Um, so and there are two hundred sixty calories in that fifty grams, which is uh pretty dense. Well, those are Canadian calories, man. <laughs> totally different. And is that um, like Bitcoin. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, based on the current exchange rate, if we're going by the same thing as dollars, that would make them worth more than American calories. That's true. They didn't have calorie derivative trading in Canada. That's a joke for no one, folks, but I still made it. <laughs> no, the Canadian bankers are laughing their behinds off. Absolutely. On that and, and right, they should. All right, well, Canadian bankers, Bridgebox, I can do this. I can do this. I can't do it. You should sign up for Bridgebox. <laughs> MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. $8 a month. You get sermons. You get songs. You get a lot of great stuff to fuel your walk. And you support ministry right here in Chicago. You support ministry to folks coming out of gangs, coming out of drug recovery, coming out of jail right here. We have a weekly service every Tuesday called The Bridge. You may have heard it referenced on our Bridge podcast. It comes out every Monday. I'm just going to keep plugging stuff. The Bridge Loud comes out every Friday. You know more. You can get some sampling of the kind of good media you get in Bridgebox. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger version. That's missionusa.com slash BBLY. It's a brand new song from Lee every month. A little video uh, explaining it, and then a little uh, some stuff Lee has picked from other Bridgeboxes. All right, we're going to move on. Canadian bankers say it's a sound investment. That's true. If you want to really put your bird emblazoned money on something, they have beavers on their money. And the queen. <laughs> That's right. Queen's still yeah, technically I, the head of state because it's a very weird world we live in. Uh, it, they, it, they, they fought a fierce battle for their independence, I think. I think they just politely asked for it and were given it. I think they asked uh, uh, England for their independence, and England said, do, do we still have you? <laughs> so then it was like, yeah, I think so. Okay, well, uh, no, you're, you're good to go. And then that was that was it, which we started to mock, but it really sounds like a better system. Well, yeah, without a shot fired, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, so, that's yeah. the way to do that. Yeah, they negotiated their way to freedom. All right, that, I'm out of Canada facts. Everybody, anybody else got anything they want to throw on there? I'm good. Anything about the toonie? No, it's uh, it's better than the loony. That's anybody all got I'd any say. kids in the hall quotes they want to? No, well, I always have kids in the hall quotes. That's all right. Well, we're gonna move on then. Our first question comes in anonymous at our Tumblr box. We handle it all the way to the end. We use ways to get in touch with this. We don't normally do this, but we had two very, very similar questions come into the inbox, so we kind of combined them here to get the main thrust. And it says, I'm a college student in my mid-20s. I've hit a a rough patch academically, and things aren't going as I planned. I'm depressed and stressed out. I hate the idea of giving up on my degree, but I don't know how to get back on track. Jed, why don't you start us off? Sure. Well, I'm sorry that you're going through a rough time. Uh, I really am, and I'm, I'm sorry you're feeling discouraged and stressed out. The, the question that I'd like to ask you to think about a little bit is, where are you trying to go? Mm-hmm. In other words, a degree is a means to an end. 
Um, you, you, you generally speaking, go and get the degree so you can go and get a certain kind of job. Where are we trying to go? Um, is there a specific thing like you've always wanted to be a doctor, and so you know you got to you know study biology or chemistry or whatever? Or you always wanted to you know be an engineer, and so you got to go study engineering. Where are we trying to head? Here's here's why I ask: is when we have a sense of the place we're trying to get to, we can think creatively about how to get there. Because it turns out, in most things in this world, there's actually a lot of ways to get at it. There's there's a lot of paths to that same, de- same destination. When we're not sure where we're trying to get, it's very, very difficult to be adaptive. And it's actually very easy to get discouraged. It says in the Bible, without a vision, the people perish. And that's something worth thinking about. When we don't know where we're trying to head, it's very, very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to feel like what we're doing just is no point to it. So I think more than anything, it would be a good time to pull up and ask, where am I trying to get to? What, what am I trying to arrive at? Let me give you an example of what I mean. Maybe you have a dream to go and you want to work in some form of Christian ministry and all you need is just some form of bachelor's degree. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be in anything in particular. You just, you just need to have a bachelor's degree. Well, I bet if you went and talked with some academic counselors, they could help you figure out what's the easiest, shortest path with the easiest classes. Maybe it's not even from this institution, but somewhere where you can have in the shortest possible period of time a degree that is a bachelor so you can go do the thing that you want to do, which is great. That's, that's lovely. Maybe, again, we, you said maybe you, you always dreamt of, of being a doctor, but, you know, that dang or Organic chemistry is just really, you know, laying the wood to you. Well, if if that's the thing, we can go. We can solve that problem. We can figure out, you know, maybe get you know study guide or study aid or take right. or go some some other school or, or whatever it needs to be. But we actually can't do any of that if we don't know where it is we're trying to go. So so that's the thing I'd really encourage you to start with is asking where am I trying to head? What's my vision? What's my goal? What's the place I want to wind up? And then we can figure out a smart strategy to get from where you're at to where you'd like to be. That's absolutely right, and as well as trying to figure out exactly what your particular situation warrants. Part of this is figuring out exactly what your personality warrants, right, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, people are way different, you know, as far as if college is a good, you know, a good road for them in the first place, depending on what your personality is. You know, for some people, they get, you know, a a year and a half into college, and they just look around at kind of a—they feel like they're in a, you know— like a desert wasteland landscape and you know it's all this kind of apocalyptic you know world that they're living in where they're like I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know where yeah. the end of the tunnel is and I I don't know why I'm here and I don't know what this is and they, and and it just doesn't seem like any of it makes any sense for some personalities maybe the best thing to do is just to kind of take a year or two off and work for a while and then decide whether or not you want to go back at the thing with fresh legs. And for some people, you know, what you might need to do is you might need to hang in there, but you might need to make sure that you get somebody around you who's a little bit farther ahead of you in your same program, in your same program of study, who can tell you, okay, now, you know, you know, let me help you kind of think through this class or think through this scheduling or whatever, just kind of depending on what your personality is. I can say as somebody that has worked with, um, with college kids for a long time, um, and particularly college guys for a long time, um, one question I would have is, do you have anybody older than you in your life who that you like really respect who you would give the right to look at your life and ask you certain questions? Have you given anybody the right to, to do that? And the reason I ask that is that it's quite possible, and this is not for everybody. Like Matt said, different personalities come at this totally different ways. But it's quite possible that there are two or three 
just really simple fixes that would just really unlock this whole thing. And 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 I'm talking simple fixes like where you're living. You know, sure. are you living with your parents? Uh, and simple fixes, and this is going to sound dumb, but I, I'm telling you, I've known so many guys where this is true, where if you had an older dude in your life and he had the right to kind of look at stuff and give you some advice that somebody might say, sell your Xbox tomorrow and this whole thing yeah. goes away. Um, and I know that, you know, for some people, maybe that sounds reductive, but it's, it's really not. I mean, there, there's just, for, for a lot of people, there's just a couple little distractions that really kind of take you off center. For some people, you need to take a year off and work and, you know, it just kind of depends on what you've got. And that's why, um, it's, it's an answer that you hear us give a lot. One thing that you really, really need in this is you need that kind of mentor person in your life who can really look at the details of who you are, what your situation is, and maybe some things that need to shift on this. That's a great point. That's absolutely right that a lot of these cases of people struggling in college are these very, not simple, that is least that I don't want to reduce this down, but kind of their uh, practical things or little things get worked out. On some other cases, there is a big thing going on. One of those big things tends to be whether it starts there or ends there is depression, right, Glenn? Absolutely right. I think, um, uh, you know, we have this uh, the sense of being depressed uh, when the sort of the story that we've made up for our life doesn't appear to be working out. It yeah. feels like a total failure. I want to unpack that really quickly. Uh, and and by the way, full disclosure, some of us on this podcast uh, did do the long, hard way around the academic journey sure. with the not awesome grades and the, you know, uh, sleeping late and some of us on this podcast got the letter telling them they'd flunked out of college, delivered to their parents' house on December 23rd. That's, that was a little rough. That's a rough Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I've been there, done that on, on uh, you know, having a rough uh, patches academically, as you put it. Here's the thing. If you took all four of the guys on this podcast and you, you uh, went in a time machine back to when we were, let's say, 16 years old, and you asked a 16-year-old version of us, what would you imagine and what do you dream for yourself as a future? What would you like to accomplish? If you let us describe that, and then uh, we would tell you what that is. In in all four cases, we would have to inform that 16-year-old version of ourselves Guess what? That didn't happen. Sure. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, we probably would all four be sad. Sure. Uh-huh. If you then said, okay, let me tell you what will happen. Uh, I- I'll speak for myself, certainly. I would have fainted with happiness. Yeah. I mean, I would have been like, you're saying that's what my life is and what it looks like and what it does? Oh my! I mean, I yeah. wouldn't be able to wrap my mind around it, and it would be super awesome and and really amazing. Here's the thing about that is that's not true for everybody. Yeah, there are some people. If you go back to a 16 year old version of them and say, "What do you imagine your future is like?" They might say, "Well, you know what? I've always been told that that being an accountant is an effective way to have a solid career. And I kind of like math and numbers and spreadsheets and stuff. So I'm going to aim for being an accountant, and I think I'll probably hit it. Sure. Some of those dudes aimed for an accountant. They hit it. They are an accountant. And life worked out exactly the way that they had planned. Yep. 
those people also tend to be a little less happy <laughs> sure. than those of us who had our plan totally obliterated and, and had something else kind of put in that spot. So I don't think it's by any means a tragedy that, uh, that the, the narrative that you've made up, the story that you've made up for your life is not working out. That in many cases, that's a, a, a prelude to kind of getting rid of a plan that's too small, that isn't quite what God has in mind for your life. Uh, that that uh, sometimes, um, you know, kind of running aground and being depressed and not being into school and whatever that, uh, that stuff is, uh, m- might be about, uh, you know, sort of breaking you out of the thinking that you're in and God, uh, you know, pushing this issue and saying, question this and yeah. ask yourself about this and start listening to me on this so that we can shift a gear. That's absolutely a great point. I want to go back to something Jed was opened out with, and that's the idea of looking at where you want to go. And it kind of ties into what Lee and Glenn have been talking about here. One of the things about looking at where you want to go is, as Glenn pointed out, a lot of people have this idea of the right degree job, whatever in their head, and the way things work out, which is not ideal, is you're kind of asked to lock into that when you're 17 yeah. and start steering down that path. A lot of times before you know what that is. Yep. A lot of people, you know, if you have a certain academic um, acumen, but you're not kind of on the math side of things and you want a career that seems neat and seems to pay a lot of money, a lot of people just decide, well, I'll do some, I'll do whatever undergrad for four years and then I'll go to law school. Yep. These are people who have no idea what it means to be a lawyer. Oh man. Have never been in a class, never been in a courtroom. Turns out it's not all sexy people making quips like on the TV. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a lot more continuances and paperwork. And there are some people and we actually started out talking about our friend Woody who they have a mind for it and they can Woody does amazing stuff with uh, people who are getting their housing foreclosed on yeah. and it's it's amazing work it's a huge help to us a huge help to people and if you got just the right mind for it you can do some really cool stuff with a legal degree right. but if you just decided you wanted to be a lawyer when you were 17 and now you're halfway through your first year of law school which as i understand it is a living nightmare yeah and you decide this isn't for me one of the things you can do is start thinking through what was attractive to me about being a lawyer sure was it helping mm-hmm. people was it investigating stuff and building a case and researching because there may be other avenues for you to do that. And one of the things you can do while you're as Lou was talking about taking some time off, one of the things you can do if you're taking some time away from school is find a way to engage that part of yourself. Yeah. I wanted to, you know, help. I wanted to be able to, help people who have been wronged. Well, there's tons of ways you can do that. You can sign up for the justice project or some things you can, some, somebody needs some research time on task to help right a social wrong. And even if it's just a couple hours a month, you could do that and actually figure out what that's about. And you got something to add here? Only, only to, to, you know, to kind of zoom out from all of this degree stuff and the college stuff and the grades thing and to remember that that you and your story and and all you know the gifts that you have and the ways that God wants to use you in your life are so much bigger than that piece of paper they're so much yeah. bigger than that that degree i mean even if you just even if you went back to school tomorrow and just knocked these grades out of the park and then got that degree it, there there's you know maybe in a couple of years you decide you know what? I'd like to pursue something completely and utterly different. I've got a friend whose who, uh, whose dad was an engineer at uh, you know at a lab here in the town where where I grew up for you know twenty five years, and then one day he just quit, went back to school, and got a 
got a degree in counseling and social work, and he just does uh, pastoral counseling at his church. And he just he just completely changed, you know. One day, I got another friend whose uh, whose dad was was laid off from the same lab, and so he went and uh, he went to bartending school. Now he tends bar, you know. And uh, you know, and these things can change so often. And it's it's one of those deals where he, you know he digs it. It's fun for him. He meets a lot of cool people and whatever, you know. And 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 so it's one of those things where it, it's it's good to kind of zoom out from all of this and understand. You know that these, you know, these grades and this piece of paper and everything—it's not the most important thing in the world, and it's not necessarily an indicator of what your life is even going to be about five years from now. That's absolutely right, Glenn. Yeah, a, a real quick point to tack on to the the kind of uh, thinking that Lee is introducing here is the idea of. Is this a case of you are getting some bad grades and you're depressed off of that, or is there a chance that the depression came first? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for you, but times when I have felt depressed, uh, the gas is not in the tank. Right. Yeah. And the thing about that is uh, school is the dead bottom. That's the thing I want to do the least. So if I don't have gas in the tank... Well, then that's going to, you know, affect my schooling almost right away. So I think it's important to look at is a depression, uh, was that in place already? Was that part of the picture? Uh, depression, as you've heard us say on the podcast before, is anger turned inwards. The thing is, uh, for Christians, we have a problem, some of us, with expressing our anger, uh, particularly when it's, depress- when it's, when it's pointed at or, or pertains to family, when it pertains to maybe someone that we're close to, uh, it could even be a roommate, something like that. Um, uh, it could be kind of your situation with, I picked this major and I don't like this major and I'm angry because I don't want to go to this class, but I can't, I feel like I can't say that out loud because I picked it. My parents spent the money right. in college, blah, blah, blah. You get yourself into the, paint yourself into sort of this corner and then rather than expressing that anger, what you're doing is you're internalizing that and stuffing that down and swallowing it and swallowing it and swallowing it. And you're sort of directing that back at you, yeah. th- saying that you suck and that you are irresponsible and you are not a good student and so on and so forth. So uh, it's a, the first step on that can sometimes be expressing that anger outward. Now, yeah. that doesn't seem Christian, and that's where Christians get lost is – uh, they don't like the venting. They don't like uh, the finger pointing and so forth. But there has to be a step in here, a messy, ugly step, where we're you know, stepping out and saying, this is what I'm upset about. This is why I'm angry. Uh, and letting that begin to flow out, uh, because otherwise this depression is just going to continue to build and build. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. One of the things kind of on that, on the same tip of that idea of th- something that doesn't seem real Christian and Christians, and as we talked about kind of before, just kind of culturally we're not good at, but it really helps is there's this idea of just more effort. Mm-hmm. Anything that's going wrong can be solved with, you know, there's a very, you know, nose to the grindstone, gumption, all that stuff. And here's the thing. If, you're, if your engine's in the red line, pushing on the gas is only going to lead to everything blowing up sooner. Right. So it seems very counterintuitive. It seems like it seems like quitting. It seems like all those things we culturally 
our program to be real, you know, grumble, grumble about. But a lot of times it can help to fully pull all the way back yes, and not look at how can I work harder, but look at, am I working too hard? Yeah. Which is leading to this problem. Yeah. Do I need some balance? Do I need more fun? Do I need people encouraging me? And all right. those things you'll probably find you'll need more of those things, which will actually lead to better performance overall. It's very counterintuitive to say I was not getting the results I wanted so I pulled all the way back and wondered, am I working too hard on this? But a lot of times when you say, you know, I'm, I'm not getting the results I want and I'm just going to fix that by going at it harder, that leads to more depression. It leads to more stress. It leads to kind of everything, as uh, Glenn sometimes describes it, just vapor lock. Yeah. There's everything kind of sitting up and that's not actually going to get you where you want to go. All right, move on to our next question here. It also came in anonymous with our Tumblr inbox. It says, do bad things happen to us because of our sin? No. You'll get your turn. <laughs> I don't know if my sickness is God punishing me for masturbation. No. It had to happen eventually. It finally happened. Lee, you work with high school guys on your day job. Maybe you've come across this kind of thinking. Why don't you start us off? Uh, if God punished people for masturbation with sickness, there would the world is not big enough to hold all the medicine. Right. Um, Every high school would be a mash unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't stop with the high school. So uh, let me take a wild stab in the dark uh, and guess, this is just a word of prophecy, that someone told you this, you heard this in a sermon, or it was suggested to you that God is very, very angry with masturbation, and he is frustrated with you about it, and that he might even punish you for it. Um, I'm guessing you heard that somewhere, and the uh, the the thing about that is, someone told you this because they are afraid of sin, right? Um, and and look, I, I you know I, I grew up in that church. I, I went to that church when I was a kid, the church that was afraid of sin. And the people are afraid of sin, and they'll do anything to keep you from sinning the sins that they're super-duper afraid of, and they'll tell you anything to get you not to do the sins that they're afraid of. And here's the thing about this. Um, God is not afraid of your sin. In fact, he has confronted it all head-on. If you know Jesus, the fact, the theological facts about you are that God, that Jesus has paid for all all of your sin, and you are not being punished for any of it because all of it has already been dealt with. God does not double jeopardy. He's not going to uh, to punish you again for something that he's already settled the legal account on. That's actually over. But what happens is, is that we get, you know, but a lot of times church people, pastors and, and, and church folks, they're so afraid that people are going to sin because they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand the relationship that God actually wants to have with us. And so they're just making it up as they go along. And the, the best thing that they can come up with is if we can clean up the sins that we're super afraid of, then we'll have a good relationship with God. That's the only way that, that this works in our brains is if we, if we just don't do the things that we're all super offended by and super afraid of, and the problem with that is, is that that's it's just not the way that God operates at all. There's a there's a place in the in the Gospel of John, where there's a dude that's been blind, that was born blind, 
And the disciples are super confused about this because they go to Jesus and they say, okay, here's a guy that's blind, but he's not just blind. He was born that way. So we're confused because obviously bad things happen to people based on sin. So is this guy being punished for his parents' sin since he was born blind? Or is this because he somehow sinned the instant that he was born and then so God punished him with blindness for his whole life? And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way this works. We're not punishing people for their sin. You're not being punished for masturbation with sickness. That's not the way this thing works. All your sins were paid for by Jesus. He loves you. God's heart is for you. He is has unlimited patience. And here's the thing. God's not stressed out about the timing of your spiritual maturity. He already knows the whole timeline. He already knows the way this is all going to pan out. He's not stressed out about that. He's not frustrated with you about that. He's got unlimited patience. He's ready to work with you on all of this kind of stuff. And P.S., you're not alone on this thing. And not everybody's sick, so let's all just calm down a little bit. I think that's a great point. And not only are you not alone, you're in the same category as a little group of people I like to call everyone. Is that not right, Glenn? Yeah, Here's the thing is um, uh, uh, when we say this is something everyone engages in, well, excuse me, we are making a generalization. So let's be accurate. You might, in the course of your life, meet one or two people that have never masturbated. It's possible. Maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, But basically... Everyone, this is the, let's just, you know, sort this out. Um, We are talking about statistically, overwhelmingly, everyone sitting in your church pew, everyone that you know who's super holy, super Christian, this is something everyone deals with at one time or another in their life, and in some cases, stuff that they struggle with throughout their life. So, we we really do seriously need to get rid of this idea. I'm the only one on it. To add some numbers to that real quick, and this comes from Kinsey. Um, yeah. There's a research institute at uh, Indiana University that, that focuses on human sexuality. They would say for what we're guessing your age range is, uh, greater than 94% of men have masturbated, greater than 84% of women have masturbated. So yeah. th- th- those are the numbers. And, and, and you're talking about self-reporting yeah, those numbers. Yeah, which is going to well. be lower than actuality. Exactly right. right. So you know, we're, we're talking about statistically very few of the people that you know are not doing this. Yeah. At, at some point in their in their lives, so so we 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 really do need to make that clear. Here's a, the the thing that goes with that that Lee was touching on. All of us uh, here on uh, on the podcast have heard sermons about masturbation that that we all identify as this guy just backslid <laughs> and he is trying to preach this sermon to at himself. himself and um you need to recognize that as well and not pay attention to that sermon because that's a dude dealing with himself and his crazy issues or what whatnot um we, we need to, at long last to have some clarity about this some of the there's something about sins that we do in in private where no one else is around, the things that we do in secret that 
uh, we f- can get a special sense of shame about, and we can have a, a sense of, I am the only one anywhere right. doing this. No one else talks about it. Nobody else admits to it, so on and so forth. And when anybody talks about it, they talk about it in the, in the most horrifying terms, and so on and so forth. Uh, but... Uh, you know, we need to adjust ourselves to reality a bit. On and there, you're absolutely right. There's a giant scare culture. It's a pretty popular thing being passed around on Tumblr where I guess there was some porn website that started advertising. And then there's some anti-porn group that did like the uh, the counter, like did this basically the same thing, but with their, their the truth about it. Yeah. And yeah. which is great, but it's classic um, American Christianity and that it's um, – the counter thing is just full of well-meaning lies. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's plenty mm-hmm. of stuff about porn addiction and rewiring your brain and cause porn pornography caused erectile dysfunction happens in over 110 percent of people who've ever looked at porn. Pornography killed my father. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of you know, you know, and, and that's just manipulating with fear. Yeah, it's basically you're starting off with a not bad idea, which is probably you know shouldn't be looking at porn it's not helpful it's you know it's a lot of there's a lot of negative consequences there are reasons not to do it second absolutely but forget those because they're not big and showy and scary enough addiction Ooh, here's the thing um porn addiction doesn't exist it may (laughs) exist to 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 glenn's point about the everyone does let's quantify this there are probably some people who are addicted to internet pornography sure the functional definition of addiction is something that has negative consequences on your life and you can't stop doing so there's some guy some person out there who has maxed out their credit cards right with uh, subscriptions to porn sites and has gotten fired or worked out of school because they couldn't right. actually drag south away computer exactly right that person is probably addicted to pornography right. yes. that's correct if you look at pornography two times a day and masturbate, that does not fit that definition. Nowhere near. That's some scare tactic being used. There's no actual, as far as I'm aware, there's no really credible neurological research about the rewriting the pathways in your brain mm-hmm. the whole way. One of the reasons that is internet pornography hasn't been around long enough to do a long-term study on what actually happens there, mm-hmm. or at least not enough to form some kind of pattern. So you got to be careful where you're getting from. And I, as we close out on this, Jed, I'd like to talk about there are consequences sure. to sin. Yeah. That's different than punishment. There are consequences we're talking about to this sin, which is very different than punishment. Can you line that out for us? I can. I'm about to break down for you the big, scary, terrible consequence of your wicked, wicked sin. Whoa. Are you ready? I'm a little scared. Here's the consequence of your shameful, shameful masturbation, you <laughs> dirty boy. Uh, you, easy. You know, yeah, if you're yeah, going yeah. to say the legalistic Jed words, let's use the legalistic Jed voice yeah. just so the people can uh, differentiate. Sure, sure. Um, so cross the streams, Brewer. <laughs> yeah. Sarcasm strongly intended. Here, here's what's actually going on. You spend a lot of time in a room by yourself doing right. things you later regret Instead of hanging out with your friends or going on dates with people of the opposite sex. Yes. That's that that's, that's actually a consequence. The consequence. Yeah. Now here's the thing. That is a consequence. It's yeah. it's a real actual consequence. That's opportunity cost. It is opportunity yeah. cost. The time you're spending doing this thing, um, which is not satisfying to you. That's the big key. No one has ever masturbated and said, Man, that hit the spot. Right. That's never occurred, so it's not satisfying to you. You're not actually enjoying it. You feel bad about doing it. You regret doing it. You feel ashamed about doing it. You could be taking that same time and going on eHarmony. 
and right. figuring out how to get on a date. Right. You, you could be taking that same time and going and hanging out with your friends. You, you, there's any number of really cool, good, positive things that you could be doing, some of which in the long term will result in sexy time. Which right. is which is super great, but you're not doing any of those things. Instead, you're staying w- exactly where you're at, and it's super super lame. It right. it's somewhat akin to being hungry and sitting in your room eating saltines while you watch advertisements for the food you'd like to be eating. Right. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, that's super good. super sad and really yeah. kind of creepy. Right. Um. But the thing is, <laughs> the, the the point of that is not to beat up on yourself and talk about what a worm you are. Right. The point is to say, you know what? If I got out of this room, I could probably go somewhere where they have the kind of food I'd like to eat right. and, and right. take a step towards that. Right. Right. You, you can do that. There are consequences. It turns out they they are not your immortal soul um it's just having a super lame life for today by your own choice and god doesn't want you to have a super lame life and neither do we that's yeah. a great point Glenn, you got something there yeah just a quick bible verse uh, psalm 103 10 says god does not treat us as our sins deserve Thank you. or repay us according to our iniquities period the end the it doesn't end. say period. It's actually a period. Glenn's I, I, I exaggerating read. for dramatic effect. That's correct. Because let's just let's just I, that was tasty. Let's hear it again. God does not treat us as our sins deserve or replay, repay us according to our iniquities. That's Psalm one hundred three ten. Absolutely, Jed. One final thing, and I think it's actually going to relate to our next question. I can't. I've worked for years as a musician, and as such, I cannot watch American Idol because I know it's nonsense. That's not the way music works. That's not the way it's made. To me, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen. Here's why I bring it up. I have a bet you've never been on a date. I have a bet you've never had a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And so all of this this porn stuff seems really real. I want to challenge you to do one thing. Turn off the guilt about porn for a second. Find a way to go on a date. Find a way to go on an actual date with an actual person of the opposite sex that you are attracted to and go and bring flowers or chocolates or whatever it is and have a fun time talking, getting to know them. See if that doesn't begin to change your perspective on this. Because all of this plays on a fantasy of the way that human sexuality works. In the same way that American Idol plays on a fantasy of the way that music works. Once you start to get a sense of the way that things actually work... It, it changes the degree to which this actually has a draw and an appeal. Going on a date with a person you find attractive is pretty awesome yes. in a way that porn is not capable of being. Absolutely. Try going on an actual date. Well, I think that's a great point. It, it brings back to this idea, I want to close out on this, of the diff- difference between punishment and consequence. So I want to be crystal clear on this. So we point out, God does not punish you for your sins. Punishment for your sins have been taken. There are consequences for your actions. Here's how we know the difference between if someone's trying to tell you this action has a direct consequence in life versus this brings about divine punishment. If there's an actual relation between the things, you look at a lot of porn, therefore your idea of what sex and relationships are is a little warped, and it's harder to actually have healthy human relationships. That's a consequence. Now, you look at a lot of porn and God makes it so that you can't get an erection. That is not a logical following of consequence. Yep. That is a voodoo curse. <laughs> yes. That's not what we are talking about here. We often talk with guys. I'll give you a totally non-porn related example. So you can hear what I'm talking about. We often, a lot of the guys we work with here at the bridge, they've done a lot of naughty things. 
and not at home with the computer naughty things, on the street corner with guns naughty things. Stabbing people naughty yeah. things. Yeah, <laughs> naughty things that lead the CPD to know what your face looks like. So a lot of times they will say, oh, I was out doing this thing. I, should have, I was hanging out with these people I shouldn't have been doing, and I caught a case, which basically means... And you'll be shocked to know this happens a lot in America. The police rolled up and said, well, we got to arrest somebody and you're black and here. So you'll do. And uh, we know you did something. We know you got a record so we can get you to roll over because you're not going to fight it. So we're just going to arrest you. And they will say, I was on that corner. I wasn't doing anything, but I shouldn't have been there. I should have been here. And this is God punishing me. Say, not exactly. That was you being in a bad place, and there are consequences to that. That's not God striking you down via a lightning bolt for your deep, deep iniquities. Your sin is a constant thing. God has punished Jesus for your sin, but you still make decisions that have consequences, and it's very important not to over-spiritualize consequences into punishment. Yeah. So if you go on through life, somebody's trying to tell you this happened because of that. If you can't follow the logical step by step, you might be uh, somebody might be making some stuff up on you. Yeah. 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 All right, we're gonna move on to our last question here. It came in another so I turn blind box. It says, How do I know when it's a good time to start dating? Now. Stop it. I feel like I should spend some time in my life now to focus on God. No. But I also feel, as a teenage guy, that I really, really want to date someone now. Date. What should I do? Date. Sorry, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys have answered this question a thousand times. Glenn, I don't know if you have anything to say about this, but why, well, why, don't, you, why, don't, you, why don't you try? I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how often we've answered the, these questions. We're happy to answer uh, any questions that you've got, you you don't wear us out or, or or frustrate us with that. We we love any and all the questions you send in. That's that's and we fact. love your question. Yeah. Absolutely, and that, right. and that's the thing. There's a real point. Every question's got a little different angle on it because it comes right. from a little different person, and we want to cover all the angles. You bet. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, uh, do you find, for example, the concern and the need to focus on God goes up? At the exact same rate as your chickenness. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Do you find when you're more chicken that at that same exact moment you say, you know, I feel like I should be focusing on God right yeah. now. I just need to get really spiritual and into that. Glenn, is that a corollary to people who tell you they want to they come volunteer in the neighborhood or some prison ministry or want to start giving, they want to really get in it. And you say, all right, we meet every Tuesday. You go, I, feel, I really feel called to start praying about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. chickenness and need to pray about things sometimes is a perfect relationship. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, uh, God uh, in your relationship with God is not meant to to be a wedge between you and things you're afraid of doing. Come on now. God doesn't belong in that position in your life. I've heard that when you go to your quiet time, God goes, who is she? (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) That's the first question, really, that, uh, you know. um, What what we have to look at is um, uh, Christians, bless them, have broken dating. Uh, They they look at at secular dating, which, of course, is, is a complete meltdown disaster, so they said, "Well, we'll in, we'll we'll do our own thing, and somehow it's way worse." Yeah. So and not at nice. all. <laughs> yeah, it's not at all Christian either. So <laughs> you, you you kind of didn't hit anything you were aiming for at all on that. So bless your heart. I I think it makes perfect sense that you'd be confused on this and and have a sense of you know, geez, I don't know when to start, whatever. 
But let me, I'll give you one quick thought and let these other guys really dive in. I, uh, dating is about learning how to be in a long-term relationship. And it's about learning about yourself, learning about what kind of people that you want to live with and be married to eventually. But it's also about uh, learning about changes that you need to make within yourself uh, to be a more civilized and decent human being. <laughs> I'm talking to the men out there. Yep. Right. Uh, uh, to, to, to know how to treat members of the opposite sex with respect and, and love and appreciation. So uh, dating is kind of about this information gathering process. And there isn't a reason to say, I need to put that off unless you've got, uh, you know, really a major psychological struggle that you're dealing with. That's absolutely a great point. One of the things we need to look at in this question, and again, bless your heart, you're not the only one, but uh, you seem to have, I would about to say drawn, but have been given a false dichotomy between dating and focusing on God. And those are not mutually exclusive things, right, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason you can't do both of these things at the same time. And one thing that one thing that happens typically with with young folks is is they they not only use God as an excuse to chicken out of something at the beginning, as Glenn's describing, but a lot of times you'll see high school folks they'll get like like young folks, high school and college age folks, when they actually do get into a relationship, and then they find that they don't want to be in it anymore. That the way that they chicken out of of actually just breaking up with someone like a human is they use God for that as well. You know I. I really can't date you anymore because I need to focus on God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, rather than saying, you know what, um, this seemed like it's a good... not you, it's God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just not feeling this anymore. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, it's been, it's been fun hanging out. It's, uh, you know, it's not working. You know, they, they don't, they won't say the thing. They just use God as an excuse. But the thing is, is that you're the, a dating relationship and your relationship with God do not have to be a mutually exclusive thing, especially if if you go ahead because one of the things like Glenn's saying this is kind of this is kind of where you learn how to have an actual serious relationship with somebody, and one of the things that you're going to want eventually in a really serious and awesome relationship is you're going to want um, a goal for that relationship what What is this relationship going to be about eventually one day when you get married? What is this marriage going to be about? What is our place in the kingdom of God together? I mean, why not, you know, date somebody who knows Jesus and and as part of your dating figure out what can we do to serve the Lord together? I mean, yeah. you know, is there something that we can do together, you know, going out on dates or, you know, serving people or teaching a little kid Sunday school class at the church together or whatever the thing is. There's a way to to do both of these things at the same time. And, and as Glenn's saying, don't just use your relationship with God as a way to chicken out, but, but uh, do both at the same time. That's a great point. One of the things about this is uh, Lee makes a very good point about this kind of the way this dating folds into your life. Oddly enough, you never really hear um, white Christians say, you know, I just I just uh, stopped paying into my 401k because I thought I'd need some time to focus on God. Totally. <laughs> really, uh, really dropped out of grad school because I really felt like it was time to focus on God. It's almost like there are certain things, of course, you have to do these, but then, you know, then God, you know, there's job and school. Yes. And then God. Sure. And then other stuff. Sure. So dating kind of falls into that extra when we get around to it. But it's actually meant to be a part of life. It, God said it was not good for man to be alone. Right. Yes. And that happens really early in that book. Yes. Before jobs and school were even a thing. Totally. Was this part of it. But also just the idea of you want to grow in your walk and you want to grow as a Christian. That means 
having some courage to start new things and to move on into things you know you want, right, Jed? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a common misunderstanding, and I've I have been there. Of first, I get really holy. I mean, I get myself all squared away, and then I'll move on and I'll tackle all these different areas of life. But life doesn't work that way. And and part of the reason life doesn't work that way is Jesus wants to walk with you through all the experiences of life. That's the thing. Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say sit still and read this book. He said, I'm I'm we're going on an adventure. Let me show you things. We learn more about Jesus. We grow closer to Jesus. We get to know Jesus better in the midst of doing things, in in the midst of going new places, new experiences, new adventures. I'll give you an example of what I mean. One of the things, and actually Jane is Glenn's wife, is a comment she made to me before I was married was many years ago now, and she was, dang, was she right about this, is one of the things about marriage is it becomes a magnifying glass for all of your sinfulness. You start seeing things about your funky little attitudes that you never knew as a single person. I mean, as a single person, I thought I was great. <laughs> me too. I mean, it's just like all that I say and do is right. That's right. Yeah, it seemed perfect. <laughs> then I got married and I realized I have some issues. Okay. And the reason I realized that is all of a sudden there's this other person that's kind of reflecting things back to me yes. like, hey, uh, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah, when, you're, when your wife says, don't ever do that again, <laughs> you realize, oh, I'm... I think I've been pretty inappropriate for quite a little while on that. <laughs> My wife has a look, and I don't get it very often. But when I get it, I stop doing whatever I'm doing immediately. Right. I mean, it's just, oh, no, let's not, let's not push that boundary. Whatever <laughs> I got to do to make that look stop. Yeah. But this is, this is the thing, is that's actually how we grow. Right. That you, to use a, a non-kind of marriage or dating example, you get into doing ministry, and then you realize, oh, I don't have any idea what to tell any mm-hmm. of these people. Now I got to figure that out. I got I got to grow in this area. You know, so and so came and he asked me this question. I didn't know what to say. I got to go find the answer to that. I got to find somebody who knows more than I do. I got to figure these things out. Going to a mountaintop and just becoming wise and then descending mm. from the mountain and spreading that wisdom, you know, everywhere you go. That's not how this works. <laughs> that I I can't speak to this from personal experience. I'm sure Lee can. You don't become perfect then have kids. You, <laughs> You have kids and then learn all kinds of things about yourself you kind of didn't want to know, but now you have to deal with in order to love those kids well. And you right. screw up the whole time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But what you what you can't do is say, first I'll become a perfect potential parent. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And and then I will parent. I'm right. an awesome theoretical parent. <laughs> As theoretical parents go, I'm the best. And that's that's the thing that you've been sold is be a great theoretical boyfriend first. Then take it from there. There's no such thing. Yep. You get in the mix with Jesus' help. You figure it out one day at a time, and you'll do just fine. That's right. You'll be just fine. You don't need to be afraid of it. Hey, that's a great point. One of the things, there's a lot going on in this question. Again, we're going to poke some fun at the things you're saying because, bless your heart, they're just so stupid. <laughs> and that doesn't mean you're dumb. We've all thought of them. We're pointing out, A, yeah. we've all thought of them, and B, as we pointed out a lot on the show, there's an entire Christian cottage industry of saying dumb stuff about dating. Oh, boy. Yeah. And not from people, as you're hearing on this podcast, who've been married for a decade or so. Yeah. People who are not married, have just gotten married, are barely married, <laughs> whose marriages suck, but they still get to write Christian dating books because that's how that works. I got yeah. some thoughts for you people. Yeah. Funny how that works out. But one of the things here, this, there's a myth that runs through all of Christianity, which is the idea of focusing on God. That is, as Jed is pointing out, really flawed because... 
I'm guessing that there you don't have a three hour focusing on God block in your day <laughs> right. that hanging out with your girlfriend would impede. Right. You probably have some Xbox time yeah. and some hang out with your buddies time and some scroll through Tumblr time that would get eaten into if you had a girlfriend. Yeah. Which is maybe not a bad thing on some yeah, of those fronts. There you go. But there's it's not this idea of I'm you have an ascet an ascetic you know, fo- meditative prayer relationship with the Lord where you just go for eight hours at a time and are in his presence. Now you're doing now. It's not really the way most people work. Right. Most people's schedules are adaptable. You, you ha- if you spend time with God, it's because you prioritize that. And I know this is very unpopular in certain Christian circles. I'm not sure you would get much more out of a thir- three hour daily quote unquote time with God than you would out of a 20 minute one yeah, come on, you because would. we are people with limited attention spans yep. and limited amounts we can take in. So you look for a little to get a little nugget of wisdom and then work that as we pointed out into your life. And as Jed pointed out, it's a great point. The more life you have, the more those good basics get worked in. Jed, do you have something else on this? Real quick, one of the things you're talking about, you know, kind of a lot of the nonsense that gets spat in Christian circles about stuff. One of the things, if we're going to be honest, we know you've almost certainly heard on this is a really intense sermon from a guy that talks a lot like this. Talks about, our God is a jealous God. He looks at our lives, bro. Whoa. He looks at our lives. He's like, your girlfriend, she come before me, bro. Is that what's going on? Whoa, bro. And we need to be clear here. A, <laughs> Why is God the guy hanging out in the squat rack? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like God has a tank top in this illustration. <laughs> I feel like God puts up a lot of Facebook posts about CrossFit. You got to bless your quads, bro. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, there's two really important things. First of all, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. No. That's he means well. But he doesn't know what he's talking about. Eh. Like, <laughs> he sometimes means well. Second thing, super important. God is not threatened by your girlfriend. Thank you. God yeah. is not threatened by your boyfriend. Is it possible to put that person before God? Of course it is. Sure. sure. Is it possible to put your job before God? Of course yeah. it is. Is it possible to put your ideas of what Christian holiness looks like before God? <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But like God- some kind of golden calf you build in order to worship that? Interesting. I'm probably just making things up. I don't know. It's, it's a funny example. But here's what you can't do. You, yes, you can put your girlfriend before God. But you know what you can't do? You can't put your non-existent girlfriend before God. Wow. That's, that is a deep existential concept. <laughs> <laughs> we found a way, and I know it's been put on you. I'm laughing at the other person, not at you. Someone has convinced you to feel guilty about a sin you haven't had the opportunity to commit. Incredible. And what's funny is you're absolutely right. You can actually put your imaginary girlfriend before God, but your imaginary love life can be far more of a distraction from your actual <laughs> spiritual growth than a real one. Yes, that's right. correct. Because the theoretical you and uh, uh, the to my future spouse, and this can be like this, and we're going to do this. And people spend so much more time on that than going on than they would on if they were in a real <laughs> right. relationship. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they've convinced themselves that it's holy. And the thing on this is that is that everybody from stem to stern is just afraid. So the, yes, the, the pastor yeah. giving you that message is afraid you're going to have sex. And, yep. and you're afraid that you're going to botch up a relationship. Everybody needs to relax. Everybody. Well, and if, if, if one quick thought and kind of build on what uh, Jeb was talking about earlier about the magnifying glass. Uh, for some of us, when we got married, uh, we realized the level of sanctification was really a lot lower than we thought it was. Yes. 
And this other person has questions and needs help and is looking for a little bit of someone to set an example here. And what that did is it drove some of us to say, hey, Jesus, I need to be a lot closer to you. I need a lot more transformation. I need to be in your word a lot more because... I am in way over my head here. And I really well, want to not screw this well, up. And there's yes. other factors that got that lead that too. I mean, there's certain things that married people like to enjoy and in order for that to happen, you've got to not be a jerk. And so, yes. you know, yeah. so I mean, it's it's like your you know, the, your own your own desire for intimacy and sex and all that kind of stuff which is all holy and good and everything is a is an engine for your own sanctification in a way that that other stuff could never be. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so I, I think if you get a, the right person in a good and healthy relationship, it'll really drive you uh, to, yeah. to to seek a, a deeper relationship with the Lord and be closer with him. I think that's great. It's a lot of good stuff. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you're right into the Tumblr, just mention the podcast so we make sure to get it on here because we also answer questions on the blog every day. All right, thanks for listening. We're going to take you out with a song. This is a version Lee did of a great hymn called Take My Life and Let It Be. I like that we talked a little bit, especially in this last question, about you know offering your thing up to God and letting him decide what that is. We talked about the version of school and love and a lot of good stuff, and this is some awesome stuff about that. So we're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just when we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, we fight molten robot Osteens from the future so you don't have to. Nice. Take my life and let it be.